You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again for another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you again for another chat around STEM and science and all that sort of thing. That's what we do here. And no matter where you are around this world of ours, we hope you enjoy this chat with Vina Nair, who very much knows her way around science teaching. So much so that in 2022, she got the Prime Minister's Prize for excellence in science teaching. She is a Head of Technology and STEAM Teacher of the Year for Data Australia and many other accolades. She really knows her science teaching and loves spreading it. So that's what this is all about. Really thinking about how we can work with our students to get them to be critical thinkers and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this chat. Let's get right into it. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. So I am... um from initially from India, um, came to Australia in 2000 and have been teaching, have taught in about three countries across four curriculums and um, have been passionate in STEM from a childhood and have run organizations in, organize my own organization in India, in implementing coding in underprivileged schools. Um, I have been always interested in technology and intersection of education uh, and technology. Uh, continue to work with a lot of underprivileged schools in India as well currently. Um, and very big on sustainability and um, industry and academic partnerships with schools. I think oh. that's about some setup. And that's a lot to sum up in a short amount of time. Well done. <laughs> but uh, I'm just thinking, uh, you mentioned childhood, and that's often the trigger that gets people into different paths in their lives. What made you think, STEM, this is for me. This is what I love. This is what I want to do. Where did this come from? I was very lucky to have my father guide me and develop that love for STEM. Um, he was a physics professor and um, he uh, just played and taught me physics very, very uh, unconventionally. We used to open all kinds of gadgets at home. Um, not every time we could put them back together, <laughs> but um we learned and he taught me that it's okay to go and experiment and look at things in a different way and and try and go give it a go. And that is what uh, got me into STEM. It's funny how it just takes, in this case, it wasn't a chance encounter. I mean, <laughs> it's your family, but it's often that mentor, that spark that really produces what we see now i mean you've worked with underprivileged schools you've worked across several curriculums and um and you're still doing this to this day how was it like i mean so you, you're doing this work in india with underprivileged students in stem how are you going about that so i visit india every year to meet my family um 
and um, I, one of my colleagues from my previous organizations, um, she was, she introduced me to these schools in uh, Mumbai, uh, where they are from very, very low socioeconomic. I can give an example. There are schools in Mumbai with no toilets, about 1,000 kids. And so um, I started talking to them and initially started conducting workshops for principals there to talk to them about design thinking, about creativity and, you know, how to develop that in their context. Mm. And trust me, it was a far more learning experience for me than it was for them. Because um, how do you do that? I mean, we are so conditioned to think that we need these many resources to do all of these things, but they had none. And uh, how then where do you go from there? And so you had to in, immediately start innovating and become creative in that space and see what they had. But what they had was enormous passion and wanting to do something different. And that is where it worked. Wow. So, I mean, I've had the, the, the genuine privilege to be able to chat with some people who've done some work in India and in Africa in underprivileged areas. And you're right. I mean, there's, a, there's an incredible amount of capacity within those students. But as you said, the resources are incredibly low. But then again, scarcity can make a huge difference when it comes to creating something i think it was leonardo da vinci that mentions you know something about that um creativity comes from being confined in a box or something like that I, there's no way that's the right quote but that's the way i took away from it is that um often it's the rules that confine you that force you to think more in this case the complete well in this case lack of resources you mentioned even a lack of simple sanitation um that's a big deal so what sort of things were you innovating around, ideating around with the teachers and the students in, in Mumbai? Oh, um, we ran workshops where we had um, simple sticks. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, traditional toys uh, sometimes, uh, slingshots, oh, yeah. uh, you know, creating those kind of things. Um, using, unfortunately, but... No, useful found everywhere these days plastic bottles yeah um that can be recycled and used so creating miniature greenhouse for example greenhouses using bottles uh measure what what i what we worked was how to and so slingshots have been used for thousands of years but what is the physics behind it mm. You yeah. need to make that explicit. And then, you know, that triggers something else. And that understanding and knowledge is what you bring to that. So you go from what they are traditionally used to, the students, and then you say, okay, how does this work? Because that is the question that's not asked often. Um, and when you start doing that, you open a whole lot of knowledge libraries in their mind. And yeah. uh, even... So it's simple things, even, um, um, you know, uh, cooking, for example, they, they use different, so you can talk about chemical reactions in that. How is that happening? Um, making simple solar cookers, uh, you know, those kind of a thing. Um, 
there's so much knowledge. I mean, you can do literally with anything that you touch, you can talk science about it. Oh, absolutely. I remember actually watching a TED talk a little while ago. It's quite an old one. I wish I could remember who spoke, but he did describe um, doing STEM out of trash. It was deliberate. It was exactly what was done. I think it was done in India. And the little devices he was showing were really cool. And I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean, you can sort out the hygiene side of things, and that's true. But these are discarded objects, waste, and they're still materials that have value. I mean, I bet you, as people listening right now, um, think think of your the teacher cupboard. You know, the teacher drawer with all the stuff, and we're kind of like bowerbirds, where people they just keep on collecting things and collecting things and collecting things because I might just use it one day, and that's true. But there's so much stuff that's just out there. You just yeah. need to have to apply it. Simple pins, absolutely right. What you could find in a teacher drawer, pins, tacks, maybe a tape, sticks, iron, anything, straws. We keep it saying that we will need it one day. You're absolutely right. And it could go to anything. Oh, for sure. Um, uh, my my team here um, laugh at my collective collecting mindset there's so many things here that oh no no i know where it is and i've I've had it for eight years and i finally use it and i use uh, these guys that's why i collect the thing (laughs) it's because i knew what i wanted to do with it one day um yeah i i think when we um sit down and really think about okay now i got this project and i want to make something out of this that is when we focus and apply our creative brains to it Mm. but if we don't do that then it just sits in that drawer and uh, it's yeah. never used. So uh, we encourage them to come up and think about what they could do with what their resources were. And they were uh, they were amazing, the teachers who came up with these great ideas. We gave them uh, absolutely things, balloons, and really nothing that costs nothing. Yeah, it's awesome. So you go across there once a year, which therefore implies that you're here a lot. So what's your main role that you do here in Australia? I'm, I'm the STEM leader at, uh, or STEAM leader at Viewbank College. Yeah. Um, and I'm also the sustainability leader at Viewbank College. I teach uh, um, technology predominantly these days. I'm, a, I'm trained as an electronics person. Uh, my undergrad was in electronics and maths, and um, uh, my focus these days is uh, teaching VC systems engineering. Mm-hmm. How's it going? What what age groups are you tending to work with? I work with uh, predominantly secondary schools, uh, secondary mm-hmm. students. So um, usually, year nine onwards is what I teach these days. I've taught from all your levels in my in past, right from primary. I've taught in primary. I've taught in secondary. I've taught at tertiary. So, I mean, across the whole thing. So curious, when you're doing electronics projects, I mean, there's a lot of different, for one of a better term, circuit boards and bits and bobs, different robotics kits and all these things exist. The shiny toys, they all, they're all there. But irrespective of those platforms, what makes a good STEM project? Like what makes one sing as opposed to one that might be labeled STEM, 
and it's not really STEM at all? What a great question, Ben. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are people think that if they tick boxes in science or maths or technology as individual uh, subjects, that uh, that is STEM uh, or STEAM. Um, but it is really the integration of all of these that makes a great STEAM project. Um, and and the most um, important and impactful one. Mm. Um, because we don't work in silos in real life. No. We, we apply everything together and use, use that. So when we only say, okay, we are doing science and hence we are doing STEM or STEAM, I don't think that's fair. Um, I think it is really when you bring the beauty of each of these subjects in, in a very holistic, integrated manner, you just, students just love it. I have a feeling that the best outputs happen when it's a lot of gray. What I mean by this is, you know how we can have a predetermined outcome and that's kind of nice to be goal oriented to solve a certain problem. And that's all a lot of these STEM projects, but sometimes it can be fun to say, look, just, I mean, for example, I mean, right now we're working on a project with some schools in Western Sydney and these kids are competing to put something into space uh, next year. And, and it, so that's a serious thing. And you kind of think about it, you got you know over a hundred students, they're all competing to be the students who got to put this thing into space. And they come out with all sorts of ideas. Um, and they've got some confines. You know, there's only a certain size that this this box can be, and it can only be a certain weight and all the certain rules around it. But after that, it is completely up to them what they want in that volume. We could not care what they might come up with as long as it meets the rules that makes NASA allowed to fly this thing. And it's interesting watching kids handle that versus not. Some kids love a prescriptive, here's my procedure. I'm going to learn how to bake a cake. And now here's my chocolate cake at the end. Uh, and I've used that analogy a few times on the podcast. Sorry if you're listening. But it's true. It's like, often it's the recipe. And those kids do fine until they're given a blank slate. And what's wild about, I don't know what you're going to create. I don't know what your output's going to be. Just the rules are it's got to fit in the box. After that, it doesn't matter. Gee, we've had some amazing ideas come across from students that were completely unexpected. And I yes. think that's a lot of fun. Um, I, again, a really important um, student agency and giving that freedom to think, to, to explore what that's the best way to empower anyone, including our students. Um, children of any age, or learners of any age, um, have enormous creativity in them. Uh, and uh, we often stifle that by having this, as you say, a prescribed way of doing things. But if you just let and say, okay, this is, um, this is a project, come up with some ideas. And as you said, put some constraints around it, um, what works, because that also is an important learning thing that you just can't go and do. There are you have to consider these constraints and and things that can make your project better. So, um, yeah, I have seen exactly what you mentioned. All my classes run like that. Um, uh, I we have an op open project. Students 
And most often what we don't uh, realize is in this process, when we open it to the students, the biggest challenge sometimes is finding that problem or the opportunity or the need that they can work on. To, to, to look at something and say, how can I innovate? What can I take this further? How, you know, finding that it itself is a very huge creative process. Oh, we, massively so. And you uh, can find, you get those student leaders who bubble up, who in some ways were unexpected. Yes. Yeah, you, you know, you get, we often expect the certain leaders of the, of the kids to lead the kids, the students, and yet suddenly in a creative STEAM mindset, suddenly kids who may not have quote unquote shone in different yeah. disciplines, suddenly they come to the fore and turns out they're very likely to be leaders in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And they develop so much confidence in that um, process uh, because so far, maybe they're not the typical students, as you said, who are not um, shining in a typical classroom with assessments and tests and all of those things. But give them this open slate and they, they just thrive. And in the process, develop this huge confidence about themselves. And I found that really, really works well with girls, specifically girls and, and non-binary kids and all of like I'm not just being but it mm. is very interesting to see the confidence that builds up with students um, and I think that's very important I think you're you're right on the is it's 100% cumulative it is I mean if you get a win you've created a thing you didn't think you could do it and now you've created a thing and, a, and it works the thing works guess what? In the next challenge, you're going to be more likely to be engaged because you did it once before. You're possibly going to be able to achieve it again. Um, I think there's also this other side thing that happens with these projects, which is sort of talked about, but I wish there was a bit more focus on it in some ways. Yeah, we're doing the academic output. That is true. We are as teachers after all. But there's this other side, there's the behavioral side, there's the potential changes might happen with their links to community. If, you, if, you, if you're having these kids uh, create a thing to solve a problem in their real space, in, whether it's in their school or their community, whatever, suddenly kids are actually aware of the issues around the area. Maybe they might even be more engaged and potentially even more caretaking of the space. Because, I mean, if you fix, I don't know, just say you create a stormwater catchment system, whatever it is, you're probably going to care about throwing rubbish out of the car. You're not going to probably do it so much anymore. Like silly things like that. It's going to make a difference over time. I think um, we have such a great opportunity through these projects um, in STEAM um, to make our students real change makers. Mm. And uh, take ownership of this world as future leaders, future citizens, and and contribute in that space and take that ownership that this is my responsibility. This is, you know, that collective. The other point that you touched is so important, and that is one big area of where I work, is also um, connections to community, connections to industry connections to academia yeah um again as you mentioned earlier teachers we all work in our own classrooms and our schools work in their own spaces 
there is very little that happens um, with engaging with community in real sense. Maybe there might be an incursion or something, but not in the truest sense where you know you have real partnerships with industry where they, they, they come in regularly, share ideas, exchange ideas, and all of that. That happens very rarely. And that is something that we need to do way more often. Oh, for sure. I was just thinking of um, the teacher, I think Carl Easton came on the podcast a little while ago. He was describing, he's a primary teacher. He was describing his grade five students off the top of my head. I think it was grade five, uh, where they were linking with a retirement community. And this is during the building of a large rail system in Northwestern Sydney. And what they were doing is they were collecting um, stories of what the area was like 50 years ago. And then overlaying it over the top of the various um, what, what's happening now in the district, uh, and those conversations were then were then used by local council because you know they're effectively collecting data. <laughs> but also, these kids now actually have um, uh, some elderly citizens who can then be mentors in their own right, and they were running they were running programs. They're actually showing. Um, the student work was showing they were, they were showing VR, I believe, <laughs> to these student to the to the to the, um, the senior citizens about here's what they've been creating in their own schools and and I don't know it's it's just that that um, Carl's taken the students out of the school confines to link with community in such that a way. Such like that. a great story there, absolutely mm. great story, and I wish uh, we could do more of those and. Somehow, I think primary schools seem to be doing this better um, uh, than secondary schools. Um, I really hope that we can model secondary schools a little bit more like primary schools where they're open to going out, doing things and engaging with community much more than what we at the moment currently do. We are so bogged down with uh, test scores and uh, assessments and exams at the end of year 12 uh, and everything seems to be directed in that direction and um, I think it will be wonderful if we could do more of what primary it's, schools are able to do. It's so difficult I mean I think about um, what happens within a high school uh, that timetable won't go away it just won't. The different subjects at different times. And some of these, some of these have some really random start and finish times. That's that's my own bugbear. Why are we starting this at 11.23? Like who designed that? <laughs> that's a different side thing. But anyway, you've got this timetable. It's so rigid. Yeah. And I've got this funny feeling. And I'd love to know what your thoughts are. It's not like there's a lack of wanting to do it. It's the structures we put in front of ourselves that are impeding the progress that we want to make happen in the first place. Yeah, um, I'm absolutely right. And uh, the timetable, the rigidity of the timetable is really, really something that I don't know how we can get past. But what we have trialed at our school last year, since last year, is um, join two, two subjects together, okay. three subjects together. So art, design and tech and science. Nice in year seven and it is all project-based um, and um, students learn skills 
um, they explore skills. We, we have connected with uh, our local tech school, the Banyul Nilambic Tech School, and, and students go there for a day to just get some skills, um, design skills, um, 3D printing, and just for an, a day, a uh, couple of days, actually two days. And um, um, one of the projects that they work on is uh, the protein database project. Okay. Um, so uh, they choose a protein. So they do some research, they understand what proteins are. Um, they, they develop um, an idea in teams of how they want to project or pro portray that protein. It could be an, through an art piece. It could be mix of art and tech. It could be anything really in any material that they want. So it could be a painting, it could be an installation, it could be anything. And um, they use 3D printing, they, or they can use 3D printing, sewing, or, I mean, as I said, anything that they really want to. Um, and um, in the process, learn a lot more about proteins and they, how they are in part of our bodies. Uh, not only our bodies, but animals and plants and everywhere else. Um, and um, um, learn to use tools and technology and art in the process. So um, we have tried to navigate through that process a little bit. That's quite an undertaking. I mean, I mean, it's so yeah, we just we just have put amalgamated three subjects together, no problem, and off we, we're going to do this. There's a lot of effort in that, and a lot of getting people on board, almost like an intra marketing thing, so to speak, within the organization to be able to do this. That would have taken some time. Well done. I mean, and so how? I mean, I'd, I'd love to know. I mean, advice for if you had some people listening in on this who would love to even embark on said project what would be some steps to take to ensure it's possible success i think um, the first thing that we did and that's probably the advice we would give is um connected with uh, a really passionate scientist who actually brought this project to us and then developed a really uh, Kill up of our own teachers. Um, explain why we are doing what we want to do, uh, how it can help students. And when they started, uh, we tried it with one class first, um, uh, with the senior class. So it was a little bit easier. Saw the results. Um, was very encouraged by those results because those um, projects were then exhibited in the UK in a European uh, uh, exhibition. That's so cool. those things, those small touch points of achievement really helped um, um, in, as you say, intra-marketing. Yes, so to speak. I know. Like it's, I mean, I, 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 I kind of didn't want to say, well, no, it is. You've got to get people on board in your organization before something's going to happen. And Absolutely. And um, it's still in progress. It's not that um, everything goes smoothly because teachers are, all of us uh, want, we play to our strengths and that's natural. And um, getting us out of the comfort zone is a bigger challenge 
than students because students come with this wide canvas. They're ready to trick on anything, at least at year seven. Hmm. And so really sometimes um, it is us as adults that need to learn from them as to how to take on these risks. And uh, le letting go sometimes in a classroom saying that, yes, this is your space and I will be there to guide you and support you rather than explicitly be there and you listen to me and I, you know, th that kind of thing. So that shift is the most difficult one most times. And it comes with practice and comes with support mm -hmm. and uh, encouragement to our teachers that it's okay to fail. I think yes. that, that is the most important thing that we need to teach all of us that it's okay to fail. And you know what? The world won't it's end. If you're in, yeah. If you're in grade seven and you did fail, said design, art, steam, project thing with proteins, et cetera. Did it really matter? You're in yeah. grade seven. Did it really, really matter? And that learning, that failure is the learning. Absolutely. Mm. And that is the thing that I, when you were talking about the space program, it's not about the competition or who goes, comes first. But look at the learning journey that has happened. Exactly. And, and that is the biggest achievement uh, in this process. You will never forget that experience. But if I ask anyone, what did you learn in grade nine maths in week two? I don't think anyone can tell. No, not at all. <laughs> but Absolutely. they will remember the experience. They will remember mm -hmm. what they learned overall. And that is the lifelong um, achievement for the for all of us absolutely and we're actually um with that competition what we're playing with uh this is with the powerhouse one project we're working with a few different groups to um, magnitudes damage school partnerships and whatnot with six western schools once the the so the so-called winning design is chosen guess what all the six schools then are coming together to work together to improve said project. So there is no real losers, winners, et cetera, yeah. because guess what? You all come together and now you're all working on the same project to make it even better, which is closer to what actually happens. Yeah, um, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And, and it's so important to take that feedback on. That's another skill that, okay, this is the best idea here for these reasons and now let us together work and you know it becomes our project rather than exactly my project exactly and it's interesting watching the mindsets of kids who are used to just competing like it's a hundred meter race yes and it's like because no that's what we have been used to right all our yeah. lives that it's you versus me kind of a thing and we need to move from that and get into more collaborations exactly right no i agree Oh, this has been really fantastic. Have a chat with you, Vina. It's really good. It's a good way to energize myself at the, at the end of the week for sure. Uh, and so I'm actually curious, what are you doing today with the work that you're doing in into next week? Um, so today I've got my uh, year 10s and year 12s, and I've asked, they've started to work on their projects. Some very interesting ideas being done. And um, um, I'm going to start uh, planning for my week ahead, really. That sounds like an, an, a normal teacher's world. <laughs> Very and much so. I must say, um, 
we do run um, again the other thing that looking at planning is also um, a conference that we do every year every second year so which is the same futures conference which is again tied to industry and uh, academia coming together with school educators to know what is happening currently in these fields and then what we can take back so that's the planning that i need to start doing with my students it's always the case is that you're often thinking six months ahead whilst you're trying to deal with today <laughs> pretty much the case i know that feeling Oh, Vin, this has been fantastic. Hey, there might be some people who would love to know how to get in touch with you um, to learn more about what you've been doing and uh, all that sort of thing. How would they uh, best reach out to you? Um, the best way is to connect me via LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you look me up um, um, with my name, I'm pretty sure you will find me and via Bank College or, um, yeah, and in STEM fields somewhere easy and uh as usual i put those links in the show notes so you'll yes. always be able to find those but um yes. but thank you very much i hope you have a fantastic morning uh i am going to go teach a forces program to a school in queensland that <laughs> sounds really really very interesting i wish i could join you for that but um i'll be looking out and thank you so much for this opportunity it was wonderful talking to you ben and um you're doing such a great work keep it up thank you so much again uh, Thank you so much. Catch you another time. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Vina Nair. She very much loves getting kids engaged in critical thinking in science itself. And that is very much one of the reasons why she did get the Prime Minister's Prize for Excellence in Science Teaching in 2022. Love her work. So I hope you enjoyed this chat. And uh, as usual, there's more coming up on this podcast. So you've been listening to me, Ben Newsom at Physics Education. This is the Physics Ed Podcast, and I hope to catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed Podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au